the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a privilege. Today is Monday, June the 1st, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1813, the mortally wounded commander of the USS Chesapeake, Captain James Lawrence, gave an order that we've heard often, I have in my life. He said, don't give up the ship. (laughs) They were in a losing battle with the British frigate. HMS Shannon in the War of 1812. Don't give up the ship. Maybe that's a good phrase for some to be saying today. I don't know. Don't give up the ship. Today in 1877, U.S. troops authorized became authorized to pursue bandits in New Mexico. That's interesting. Today in 1916, uh, Louis Brandeis took his seat as an associate justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. He was the first Jewish American to serve on the nation's highest court. Today, in 1926, Marilyn Monroe was born. Her real name was Norma Jean Mortensen. She was born in L.A. Today, in 1958, Charles de Gaulle became Premier of France. That marked the beginning of the end of the Fourth Republic, as they called it. Today, in 1980, Cable News Network made its debut, CNN. I remember that well. That was during the time that we were doing our daily television program, which originated from a CBS affiliate station. And I remember the talk in among the CBS folks, and I'm sure that was true with all the others. It, what, now, what is this CNN thing they were talking about? And they said, we don't think that'll be of any impact to us because nobody watches cable anyway and all of that kind of thing. Well... <laughs> Sometimes the networks are wrong, aren't they? CNN has become a major, major player around the world. Unfortunately, they've become um, predictably far left, and they've pretty much jettisoned the whole idea of attaching any value to facts. It's just whatever they want to accomplish, whatever message, narrative, as they say, they want to get out there. That's the news of CNN today, but it is seen by hundreds of millions of people around the world, or has been. I remember they signed on the air at 6 p.m. in the the evening. I don't know why I remember that, but I just do. Today in 2009, General Motors filed for Chapter 11. They became the largest U.S. industrial company to enter bankruptcy protection at that time. That still may be the largest. I'm not sure, but it was at that time for sure. Today in 2017, President Donald Trump declared that he will pull U.S. from the Associated Press calls it landmark Paris Climate Agreement. U.S. is still in the agreement, but we have been pulled. It just becomes effective in November of this year, a few months from now. Ten years ago today, former Vice President Al Gore and his wife, Tipper, they announced separation which led to divorce after 40 years of marriage. And Pat Boone, 
is 86 years old today. Marjorie and I have known he and his late wife, Shirley, in the past quite well. We've done some things together. He's a good guy. He really loves the Lord, sincerely and truly. He does. 86 years old today. Yikes. I thought he was still a teenager. It happens. Associated Press is reporting what's happening in our country this way, this morning, just about an hour ago. They say, Associated Press, a country convulsed by violent protests picked up the pieces Monday morning, this morning, and braced for the possibility of more trouble amid a coast-to-coast outpouring of rage over police killings of black people. After six straight days of unrest, a new routine was developing, residents walking up to neighborhoods in shambles, shopkeepers taking stop, uh, stock of ran- ransacked stores, and police and political leaders weighing on how to address the boiling anger. While many of the demonstrations around the country have been peaceful protests by racially diverse crowds, others have descended into violence despite curfews in big cities across the United States and the deployment of thousands of National Guard soldiers over the past week. On Sunday, Associated Press says, that would be yesterday, protesters hurled rocks and Molotov cocktails at police in Philadelphia, set a fire near the White House and were hit with tear gas and pepper spray in Austin, Texas, and other cities. Seven Boston police officers were hospitalized. They are not reporting this, but I read this morning 44 Secret Service people were injured over the weekend doing their job. It's it's amazing what's happening. They continue, Associated Press, about an hour ago. The upheaval has unfolded amid the gloom and economic ruin caused by the coronavirus, which has killed over 100,000 Americans and sent unemployment soaring to levels not seen since the Depression. The outbreak has hit minorities especially hard, not just in infections and deaths, but in job losses and economic stress. The scale of the coast-to-coast protests has rivaled the historic demonstrations of the civil rights and the Vietnam War eras. At least 4,400 people have been arrested for such offenses as stealing, blocking highways and breaking curfew, accounting or according to account compiled by our offices, the Associated Press. Well, that pretty well sums it up with a bit of a left lean, but it's bad. It's really bad. But I have another report that I'd like to share with you. It was written a long time ago, but it was written for such a time as this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord, not the press. Psalm 91. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wing shalt thou trust. His trust shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the sorrow or the arrow that flieth by day. Not for the pestilence that walks in darkness, not for the destruction that walks at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. The word of the Lord. We need the word of the Lord because we're living in unbelievably perilous times. Everything that can be shaken, as it is written, is being shaken. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, America is burning. Streets are blockaded, stores are looted. 
if this land is our land, as the little tune goes that kids sing in school nowadays, sometimes, as a patriotic, as a patriotic message, and it really isn't a patriotic song, I'll come back to that if I have time. But if this land really is our land, why, why are we tearing it apart? Why would we believe that this kind of lawlessness would create justice and this kind of destruction would create equality? Oh, I understand the anguish of the moment for sure. I've seen it before. And that's not to take one moment away from the importance of this. Sparked by the death of George Floyd, he's a black man caused by the knee of a Minneapolis police officer pressed into his neck while handcuffed and subdued on the ground. It's hard to look at even when you've seen it. It's unthinkable. Protests erupted when the video of this incident was posted on social media and they haven't stopped. My sense is they're not going to stop for a while because of a number of reasons. And I want to touch on a couple of those things this morning. By this weekend, that spark of protest became a flaming torch. Most major cities became an inferno with burning and looting and breaking and defacing buildings. This lawlessness was all in the name of racial inequality, was it really? Well, some of the blacks are stepping forward now and saying, no, there's people out there doing bad stuff that don't represent us. And they're right. There are. And they don't represent the black community. Well, America is burning, literally. Associated Press also put out a map. I put it in an article that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us. All one word, faith and freedom. It shows the cities that are on fire, basically. It's amazing. You look at a map of the United States and from Seattle to Miami, from Los Angeles to New York and Philadelphia, all across, even the Midwest, there's a few few states that aren't showing much, if any, rioting. Montana, North and South Dakota, you know, how soon can we move? No, but most of America is under attack. Yes, there is that anger and that anguish by black demonstrators or protesters, but there is another group that's out there among them, and they're recognizing that, and they're getting to the media, and they're pointing it out to their credit. And I think it's to their benefit and advantage. But they're pointing out the fact that some of these people, some of these people that are out there are not part of us, and they don't represent us, and they're not protesting on our behalf for equality or justice. Antifa is one of them. They're white guys. They're Nazi in in their approach to things. And President Trump called them out yesterday. They're showing up. They were in Portland, Oregon over the weekend. They're not in all cities, but they're in many cities. They were in Portland, Oregon over the weekend while Portland burned. They were leading much of the violence. The Secret Service and other agencies are now affirming this. President Trump spoke to it yesterday. Santa Monica, Antifa set a police car on fire, chased the police away. Half of of downtown on the little strip there in Santa Monica is burning, I'm told. U.S.-based radical Islamists were among the protesters in Los Angeles. They vandalized a Jewish synagogue. They got chased away. Then they came back and set it on fire. 
tried to burn it down because they hate Jews. It had nothing to do with the blacks, but they seized the moment so they could insert themselves into what was happening in this chaos. Evil always tries to insert itself into opportunities to manifest itself, whatever that may be. You put on top of that, the in Minnesota, the governor's daughter and the Muslim representative to the House of Representatives, Ilan Omar's daughters, were out there sharing intel with the rioters. Not, not the protesters, not the black community, but the rioters. Where were they getting the intel? I don't know. I hope it's not from their parents who are elected officials. But that was, I mean, that was authenticated by the press. They're out there. In New York City, the mayor's daughter is out there doing the same thing, telling the people that are leading the protests what they know about what's going on to try to stop them from doing what they're doing. And I'm talking about the rioters that are breaking glass and painting and doing all this stuff on buildings. It's an amazing thing. I I lived through the Vietnam War thing for sure. I remember the civil rights movement. Remember it well. But I'll tell you, this is, AP, AP is right. This is something unlike we've seen since then. And it, uh, as I said, I don't think I see any conclusion in the near future. The press is saying this morning, the conservative press and legitimate press, several of them, are saying that at least 13 staffers that work for Joe Biden are donating money to groups supporting violent, violent rioters. Not the black organizations, but looters and rioters. The organizations, Antifa being one of them. I can't confirm that. I don't know the people that work for Joe Biden, but there are press stories out there today, some in conservative press for the most part. They're saying 13 of his staffers that they've confirmed have and are contributing money to the cause. Justin Timberlake is out there today telling people to give money to bail people out of jail. I suppose that would have to do with both protesters blacks who are expressing themselves, and they should be, and it would have to do with people who have nothing to do with the black community except that they're seizing the moment to do their damage because they hate America. These are complex times. It's not simple. It's very complex. The most striking, poignant picture that I've seen was the one was one that I published today in the article at faithandfreedom.us, it shows a, a rioter running down, not a, not a black, but a rioter, running down the street carrying a U.S. flag upside down with buildings burning all around him, and he's shouting, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Those are George Floyd's last words before he died with the knee of an officer on his neck. That officer will is in jail. He'll be have a hearing this morning, I understand, or today sometime. But by this morning, we have begun to learn that much of the riot was primarily led by Antifa, not necessarily the black protesters. President Trump said yesterday he's so incensed about it, he said that he intends to declare Antifa a terrorist group. 
That will put them in a whole new category as far as how the authorities deal with them. I completely support that. There are some that are taking a position against it, but I hope he goes through with that. He said he's going to. I suppose he will. The black mayor of Atlanta made an impassioned appeal to blacks yesterday. She's very well spoken. She said, don't be drawn into the rioting. She said, protesting and rioting are two different things. She made the point very articulately. Videos are beginning to show people of all colors, black, brown, white. They are lighting fires. Some of the blacks have gotten involved in the rioting. They're lighting fires, crashing windows, stealing from Apple stores, jewelry stores, liquor stores, grocery stores. I saw even a big Nike store somewhere. I forget where it was now, probably more than one, but I saw the picture of one. They were carrying out as many boxes of sneakers as they could get their hands around, all different colors. I saw a couple of Asians in there. So to suggest that it's it's just simply a racial response is not properly seen what's going on in our world today. There is there is the demonstration, the protesting of the death of a man that should not have happened. It's wrong. And our justice system is dealing with it today. Beginning right now. And Attorney General William Barr mentioned yesterday, made a statement yesterday, that justice will be served. And I'm certain it will. Lawrence Bacow, the president of Harvard University, he was commenting on the death of George Floyd. He said, I hope you will pause during these troubled times. This is the president of Harvard University. He said, I hope you will pause during these troubled times to ask what you believe. He said, even more importantly, I hope you will find the strength and determination to act on your beliefs to repair and perfect this imperfect world. In his email, Bacow wrote that in difficult times, he returns to his beliefs and principles, such as the goodness of the people of this country and in their resilience, that America should be a beacon of light to the rest of the world, and it should be the American dream. That got me to thinking about Harvard University. It's an interesting, it's an interesting school. It's an interesting institution. It's our oldest college in America. There's no colleges, universities that are older than Harvard University. It's interesting that we are at a time in our country where the president of Harvard is turning to his faith, so to speak, or his principles or what he believes in. And yet and yet Harvard is one of the bastions of progressivism, atheism, anti God. Do you know that Harvard, you probably have heard this. Harvard was founded by Reverend John Harvard. He was a pastor. And he saw the need to educate people. He said in his own words, he said, I see the need to educate people. He said, in in the understanding and the teaching of the Bible. In fact, in 1692, the motto of Harvard 
was a Latin in Latin, but it was in English. It's truth for Christ and the church. Harvard's 1646 rules and precepts read, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well. The, the, the main end of his life and studies is to know God in Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. And then they put the, the scripture there, John 17, 3. This is Harvard. This is their statement, their motto. And therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning and seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom. Let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. Proverbs 2, 3. So the current president of Harvard, all these years later, 400 years later, whatever, this Lord's back cow, he's saying, I hope you will pause during these troubled times to ask what you believe. Even more importantly, I hope you will find the strength and determination to act on your beliefs. And your beliefs, he says, should be directed at repairing and perfecting this imperfect world. Well, that's well taken, and I know he means well, and who am I to critique the president of Harvard, but I'll do it anyway. To repair and perfect this imperfect world, there is only one path. It isn't rioting, it isn't even protesting, it isn't even demonstrating, even if it's a just cause, and it is, in the case of the blacks. But if we want to repair and perfect anything, it's only at the foot of the cross. We cannot talk ourselves through this issue and come up with political solutions that will work, or even bring a a kind of a quasi-peace to the streets of America. It's only through Christianity. It's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. John Harvard knew that. I hope and pray, I wish, that the leaders of the academia, academic uh, community in America would, would, would understand that today, but they don't. They don't. They keep going on their progressive path, and as C.S. Lewis said, when you're on the wrong path and you're a progressive the more you progress, the more the worse it gets. He said the, the true progressive realizes he's on the wrong path, turns around, goes back to where he started, and chooses a different path. C.S. Lewis was an intellectual. I'm not. But I can see that. But they don't. And there's a blindness today that has been perpetrated into kids. That, I don't know how many of these kids that are running the streets and burning down cities have been to college, but a lot of them have. And they've been indoctrinated in that kind of thinking, really, from grade one through university. And now they're on the streets, and they believe, some of them do at least, that destruction will bring recovery. They believe that massively attacking cities and and people and buildings and commerce and Capitalism is somehow a righteous cause, and it is, they're burning down the thing that has given them the freedom to do so. And that's the problem. The disease, the disease is not inequity. That's a result. The disease is sin and an abandonment of God. 
The U.S. Constitution guarantees the God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to every student or every citizen, regardless of race, color, or creed. As a pastor, I've spent my life ministering to people all over the world, and they're all the same. I've told my wife this many times. In the countries, I've, I've lived with the people there, not as a tourist, but as a minister, with the people. Sometimes in little houses that didn't that had a dirt floor, honest. They swept it clean every night, but it was a dirt floor. From Africa to Latin America to Asia, all over the world. We've built churches and a few medical centers and two or three schools and things and handed it over to the locals. I believe that every life is precious to God, and I'm deeply saddened by the events in Minneapolis. My prayer is that these tragic events open an honest discourse that will help bring healing. And as the president of Harvard says, to bring about, to bring about a more perfect country. But I will tell you, until we meet at the, fa- at the foot of the cross, on our knees, there is no equity that will be sustained. Because the human race and human history, in the course of human events, prove otherwise. That's why God became flesh and lived and died on a cross and was resurrected from the dead because we are an imperfect world. Yesterday, the press gave wide coverage to Joe Biden. He took a knee in Delaware. He said he will help lead this conversation, bring us back to the right road. (laughs) He'll lead the conversation, he said, about the protests being launched across America Big picture of him was published by all the people in the press. They desperately want him to be elected. He's kneeling with a another person there. He's got his mask on. They're six feet apart. He went on to say, he said, as president, I will help lead this conversation, and more importantly, I will listen, just as I did today visiting the site of last night's protests in Wilmington. However, just last week in an interview on The Breakfast Club, Joe Biden said, well, I'll tell you what. And he was angry at the guy that was interviewing him because he wasn't asking him the right questions. He said, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump, then you ain't black. So here you have these two contrasting responses, one very political, the other probably more honestly. You better vote for me if you're black because blacks are supposed to vote for me. That's some of the attitudes that these people are protesting against. The ultimate disease, the ultimate disease is rebellion toward God. I found it interesting that a couple of people, deans at Harvard, were asking this question this last weekend. They wrote in the Crimson, the Harvard newspaper, where the president had spoken. They also spoke, and they said, these are symptoms. It's not the disease, ironically. And they were, of course, suggesting a some kind of a you know, united village response. But I think they're on to something. These are symptoms of the real disease. And it is the disease of sin. I don't say that hopelessly, though, because cultures can change and do change and communities change. When Christ is put in his proper place, John Harvard got that and he said that and he made that the centerpiece of Harvard University. And all of the fact the first 108 universities started in America were started by Christians for Christian purposes. That's what we've got to get back to if we want to see real peace. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Always a pleasure. 
We need your support. Thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you right here tomorrow.